Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by Coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Good morning, West Georgia. Welcome into the Morning Five podcast. Today's podcast, it is August 2nd. We're in August, Billy. It's so crazy. I feel like just yesterday, summer started. Uh, it's August 2nd. We're into football season. And today's podcast is presented by the Parian Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey, life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Parian Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers catchy slogans a few billboards big results billy today is national ice cream sandwich day are you a fan of ice cream sandwiches there should be no one who's not a fan of ice cream sandwiches let's be real an ice cream sandwiches ice cream sandwiches are undefeated on a, on a cold day they really are you get it between the two uh chocolate wafers you know it's it's just so good so freaking good i i personally like the ones that were between the cookies they had oh. the two cookies the two chocolate chip cookies and the ice cream in between those i've ever seen those those are the bomb now billy you know not a big sweets fan not a big yeah. ice cream fan not a big cake fan massive massive ice cream sandwich fan yeah huge ice cream pizza, sandwich man. fan that was that was the treat of choice when I was a little kid, man. Growing up down in Albany, uh, you know, where it was 175 every single day in the summer. You'd come in like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, get a little lunch or something, and I'd get sent right back outside with a nice ice cream sandwich. And dude, you'd have to scarf that thing down. And if you didn't, about 30 seconds after you step foot outside, it would melt all over your hand, and your hand would become <laughs> a sticky a sticky ice cream sandwich residue hand. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I'm a massive ice cream sandwich fan. We used to get the Neapolitan ones uh, when we were a little kid. We'd get the the chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla ones. Uh, I I don't think I've ever turned down an ice cream sandwich. So the only thing I don't like about ice cream sandwiches is when you take a bite, you know that top layer of like the chocolate wafer or whatever the, yeah. the chocolate thing is. It always used to get stuck to the top of my, the roof of my mouth. That was all. That was always sort of annoying that you had to like almost peel that off the top of your mouth. But ice cream sandwich, I agree with you, man. An undefeated treat, an undefeated snack. It's one of the greatest snacks or treats I think I've ever had. Billy, today, today, 17 days, 17 days away from high school football season starting. We do have scrimmages this week. We have scrimmages next week. We will talk about that later on this week uh, with the podcast. But we are 17 days away from the regular season starting in football. We also have softball starting this week. Billy, do we have any – I think we also have – volleyball starting this week uh volleyball for- is starting this week actually tomorrow i think bryce tomorrow starting tomorrow moving into the rest of the fall and winter will be the first time that we'll actually have something on the um stump events calendar for oh that excites me for high school sports i'm so pumped man it's, that's why we started we this have- podcast yes yes that's absolutely why we started the podcast we, uh, we talk about a lot of other things other than high school sports, Braves, you know, uh, the Falcons, Land United. We talk about all this, you know, the SEC, Georgia, football. But when we started this podcast as a high school podcast to spotlight these high school kids 
that are doing a great job in the West Georgia area. And it's so fantastic that high school is starting back up this week, the high school sports. So uh, we can sort of get back to our roots. I am super pumped for it, Billy. Let's go ahead and get into our topics for the day. Some other stuff that I am super pumped about. Billy, fill us in on what is happening with the Braves at the trade deadline. Trade deadline's today at noon, I believe. Is that correct? Today at 6 p.m. Oh, it's 6 p.m. Okay, today at 6 p.m. Braves have already made some big moves, Billy. What have we made, and is there anything in the future that we could expect? All right, so let's start in order of what happened yesterday. Yesterday, uh, Big day. Big day yesterday. Yeah, they started the day uh, with a trade within the division, bringing back Ada Adrianza. The Braves sent Trey Harris, a uh, Mississippi Brave, uh, AA Brave, to uh, the Nationals in the deal. The Braves also DFA'd Robinson Cano. So the Robinson Cano experiment is over. Uh, yeah, not really surprised at that at all. Hey, it is. You took a flyer on the guy. You saw if he had anything left. It really didn't cost you anything. I am A-OK with the move the Braves made there. Yeah, and it was funny just simply the fact that he got a hit against the Mets who were paying him $20 million. <laughs> Yesterday was also a big afternoon for the Braves. It was announced that the Braves and Austin Riley agreed to a 10-year contract, keeping him in the A until 2032. 10 years, $212 million is the largest contract in franchise history. The deal also includes a $20 million club option for 2023 with no buyout, which would push the total value of the contract to $232 million over 11 years if the Braves pick up the option. Bryce, your initial reaction to this, because mine was, holy crap, Double A did it again. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty low compared to what Riley could have got on the open market, especially con- considering the year he's having this year. I mean, we we tweeted it out on the morning five that he is comparable to Chip's 1999 season. And Billy, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe Chipper's 1999 season was pretty good, ended with some hardware. I think. Yeah, yeah, he was the, he was the MVP last that yeah, year. That's what so. I what I thought. Pretty comparable. So I think it's a great deal. I, I don't think it's a massive hometown discount, but I, it, there is a hometown discount in there for sure. You lock up third base for the next 10 years, and you lock up our young core for the next, what, three or four years, I think. We're all like locked up. I mean, with Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Ozzy Albies, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. And honestly, man, I think you're going to have to start throwing Michael Harris into that mix as well as, as a young kid that could uh, form this young core here. And I would love to include Dansby in that if he signs in the offseason. So Dansby, I think fantastic. Freed. We need to go yeah. off three too, man. Freed, Wright. Um, I think Kyle Wright is a free agent here coming up soon. So there's a lot of young talent on this team, and I think AA is doing a fantastic job of uh, getting getting these guys to buy into the program that he has set and get them to sign on some uh, some home hometown deals here. Uh, the Braves will pay him fifteen million next year, twenty-one million in twenty twenty-four, and then twenty-two million each of the remaining years on the contract. That's not including the the club option year. So that's probably about half of what Juan Soto is going to get. You would assume. Yeah, and, and I'm sure Juan Soto is going to be on the move as of today. I, I've heard rumors of the Padres. I've heard rumors of the um, Cardinals and the Dodgers. So I saw the may- Cardinals too. Isn't that weird? Is that odd? Yeah, I don't I don't understand that. I'm not saying Austin Riley is as good as Juan Soto, but Juan Soto is certainly not two times as good as Austin Riley. No. So so that is a that is a, a great deal by AA. Uh, glad Austin's going to be here for a while. 
in a deal that's not been made official yet, they the Braves have worked out a, a trade with the Houston Astros trading. Looks like they're going to be trading Will Smith and getting back starter Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi in 12 starts this season has a 3.75 ERA, a 3.62 FIP, and a 6 point, or a .629 OPS against, which that OPS against and the FIP I'm okay with. Like, do you know what you know what FIP is, right? Uh, no. Okay, so FIP is fielding independent uh, pitching, meaning that it doesn't matter what ballpark it is. That's that's how they calculate the ERA, essentially. Um, it doesn't matter what ballpark. It's just going to be, that's what it is. Um, and that's that's how his pitching has been this year, is a 3.62. Doesn't matter what ballpark. So, um, and the 6.2, or 6.29 OPS is, is really good. Typically, you're going to have between a 750 or higher on your OPS. That means that your on-base percentage is, you know, about 300, and your your slugging is around the same. So that's that's really strong. What do you so, think this trade means for Mike Soroka? Because we're trading for another starting pitcher as to where I don't think we have a spot for a starting pitcher right now, and Soroka is still supposed to be coming back. What do you think that means for our rotation and Soroka? And possibly Ian Anderson. I, I, that seems like an, I don't mind getting rid of Will Smith <laughs> after this year he's had, uh, but getting a starting pitcher in return that just seemed kind of odd. Yeah, that it is. And uh, do you do you think that maybe this this may not be a good thing for Mike Soroka? Um, he may be pushed back even more um, now because of this. I mean, <laughs> I just don't see it happening this year. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it just may not happen, and that's Yeesh. that sucks. Um, because he's got so much talent, but we'll see how, how his injuries work out. That but sucks for Mike. Double A was not done, man. He traded More moves? He traded low minors guy Jake Anglin uh, to the Tigers for Robbie Grossman, of outfielder Robbie Grossman. The switch hitter isn't having a great year this year at the plate, but he is a pending free agent and had a 2020 year last year. So, I mean, there's there's possibility to it. And I mean, I'm going to I'm going to have faith in AA. He's pulled off trades that we saw last year for guys who were, you know, not having good years. Uh, and they tur- they turned around. One was the NLCS MVP and the other was the NLDS MVP. And well, uh, and, and we were bringing this up yesterday, you know, about the trades and, and how they weren't massive. And the reason they weren't massive to me is just simply because do you remember how you felt about them bringing in Solaire last year? Solaire was I, batting under 200. Yeah, and Rosario was constantly hurt for the for the Indians or the Guardians, he, whatever they he are. He was batting two twenty, I want to say, for the Indians being being injured. Like it, all those trades were like, you know, they're mad trades, but they just turned out to be monster turnarounds for the Braves. Which I hope that this is the same thing with Robbie Grossman. You know, Absolutely. he has give it to me. He has a really good uh, um, batting average against uh, right-handed, or excuse me, left-handed. Uh, pitchers, so you have to think he'll probably platoon with um, with Rosario in in left simply because you know no more Adam Duvall. So yeah, this, I hate this to see that. Be, yeah, this this could be a, a Adam Duvall replacement for right now, and with him being a pending free agent, a free agent this this fall or this winter, that's that makes sense. Give but me a free agent year, yeah. <laughs> one of those massive yeah. free agent years. Yeah. Give me, give me the last two months of a free agent year, and I'll be happy with you. <laughs> but that's that's all the Braves uh, 
did yesterday. The Braves, meanwhile, are back on the field tonight after a nice day off where the general manager was part of work. They begin a quick two-game series against the Fighting Phils. The Stash takes the mound tonight against the Phils, where the last time he faced them, he looked really good. Six innings pitched, three hits, one run baseball. So that's what you have to look forward to tonight. Charlie Morton on the bump tomorrow afternoon, facing off against Zach Wheeler, which will be a fun matchup. I let's let's go. Big fan of that matchup. Big fan of that matchup. Got to got to get the fills. Can't let them win the series like we did last time. Got to take this, and then we go on to the Mets, man. We got to get something rolling, and we got to take the Mets when we have an opportunity. We can't let other teams or rely on other teams to sort of do our dirty work against the Mets. Billy, today we start the SEC football preview. We are this is rolling what most down. of the people are waiting for. <laughs> and most of the people are waiting for this first team. I know most of the people listening to this podcast are massive, massive fans of this first team we're going to break down. It's the Vanderbilt Commodores. Yes, sir. Right? Massive Vanderbilt following around here. Take it down. <laughs> Clark Lee went into Vandy and into the Vandy job. It was an up. It was an uphill battle, uh, but I'm not sure he knew how uphill that battle would be, including a loss last season to FCS foe East Tennessee State and a disappointing two and ten record. Uh, Coach Clark has a big, big, long road ahead of him. Lee named Mike Wright QB one at Media Days earlier this uh, earlier last month. Uh, but I'm not sure that'll matter at all, honestly. Vanderbilt's offensive line was abysmal and didn't get any better this offseason after seeing left tackle Tyler Steen transfer to Alabama. The offense mustered only 15 points per game and just over 300 yards per game, which was one of the worst in the SEC. Vandy's defense, unlike their offense, should get better this year, though. One of the bright spots. It'll see a lot of freshmen getting playing time, but 10 of the players that look to be in the defensive rotation are players who have had significant playing time over the last season. Honestly, Billy, I think Vanderbilt gets worse this year. I only see one win on their entire schedule. 1-11 this year for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Ooh, that's yeah. tough. Not a good year. Not going to be a good year for Vanderbilt Commodores fans. Luckily, baseball season is right around the corner for y'all. So just ignore football season and baseball season is coming. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what Kentucky people do in, in basketball. basketball. Yep. Uh, next, we get the Florida Gators. Bill Napier going into a second season at Florida looks to implement some of the lessons learned under Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban and inject them into his Gators program. Uh, Anthony Richardson looks to be the number one option at quarterback for the Gators, but Ohio State transfer Harry Miller may have something to say about that. It'll be interesting to see what that quarterback battle looks like here in the early part of fall practice. Offensive depth is my biggest concern for Florida as they return only two of their top five wide receivers from 2021 and only one running back, Nakeem Wright, who recorded over 85 yards. No other running back on their roster recorded over 85 yards last year. Good Lord. (laughs) That's not very good. Florida's defense is poised for an improvement over its 65th scoring ranking last season and their 51st yards allowed ranking. Under co-coordinator Sean Spencer and Patrick Toney, the Gators will employ a 3-3-5 defense that will see the return of Ventrell Miller at linebacker, Trey Dean at safety, and Garvin Dexter at defensive tackle. Not a ma- I'm not massively high on Florida this year. Honestly, I think 6-7, and seven, a repeat of last year's record, seems about accurate. 6-7, and seven, that's 13 games. Uh, the, with the bowl game. I predict they will make oh, a uh, bowl game. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the Gators this year. Although I do, okay. I, think they, I do, I do think they're going to make it to a bowl game. 
Uh, South Carolina, can South Carolina and second year head coach Shane Beamer improve? It feels so weird saying Beamer and not saying Frank Beamer. When I was writing this this morning, Billy, I put Frank Beamer down like six times. Shane Beamer, Shane Beamer, <laughs> Shane Beamer. Uh, can South Carolina head coach, second year head coach Shane Beamer improve on what was largely a successful season for the Gamecocks last season? On offense, the sole responsibility will fall on Spencer Rattler's shoulders. The third-year transfer from OU needs to improve in the 22 points per game the Gamecocks mustered last season in order to compete in the SEC. Rattler will have weapons at his disposal. Wide receivers Josh Vaughn and Jaheim Bell looked to impress. They they looked impressive late in the season last year, and running back Marshawn Lloyd also came on late last year. They had a lot of offensive firepower last season that sort of developed towards the latter part of the season. Uh, USC has had a had the best pass defense in the SEC last year, but it came with the Gamecocks' dirty little secret. Despite their marvelous gift at recording takeaways, uh, an SEC high 24 interceptions and recovered fumbles, uh, the teams didn't have to pass against the USC because its run defense was absolutely atrocious. They almost allowed more rushing yards per game than they allowed passing yards per game last Ooh. season. Yeah. I believe they were five yards off. I believe the the rushing yards was only five yards away from uh, uh, eclipsing the passing yards allowed by that defense. Uh, the Gamecocks lost some talent on the defensive end, but returned the bulk of their D tackles and linebackers. The secondary returns Cam Smith, one of the SEC's most underrated players, in my opinion, alongside fellow cornerback Darius Rush and safety Arjuri Roderick. Eight and five, I believe, seems about right for the Gamecocks this year. Maybe better if Spencer Rattler can put together a season that I know he is capable of. That guy, that kid is talented. He's just he hadn't put it together since his freshman year at OU. Yeah, and and congratulations. At, now that I think about it, to Gentavious Shivers of Villarica, who has uh, committed to South Carolina, so he will be heading there next year. So that's fantastic, man. You yeah. gotta be. I know I've harped on this all the time. You gotta be an insanely talented to go D one. To go D one, yeah. you have to be insanely talented. All right, next in the SEC preview is the Missouri Tigers. In two years under Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri uh, has almost been perfectly average. They've won nine straight games against teams that have finished with a losing record, and they've lost 11 of 12 against Power 5 conference teams that were 500 or better, almost perfectly average. Uh, They've had great and terrible moments on both offense and defense. Quarterback Connor Bazelik completed 66% of his passes last year in 21 games, or the past two years in 21 games under Drinkwitz, uh, but he averaged under 10 yards per uh, catch in 10 of those games and threw only 23 tuds to 17 interceptions. It's not a good ratio. It's not the ratio you want. Missouri returns four starters from a solid offensive line. Offensive tackles Javon Foster and Heron White are both all SEC candidates. The wide receiver core returns an explosive senior. Tusky Dove, five-star freshman. Luther Burden joins other former blue chip uh, like Dominic Lovett and Mookie Cooper at the wide receiver position. Running back Elijah Young looked good in the bowl game last season for the Tigers and transfers Nathiel Pete from Stanford and Cody Schrader, who is a 2,000-yard rusher in Division II, should give Drinkwitz some fun options on the offensive side of the ball. The Tigers' biggest strength heading into the 2022 appears to be the defensive end and safety positions. 
ends Isaiah McGuire and Trajan Jeffcoat combined for a 24 tackles for a loss last season and nine and a half sacks last fall. And they'll be joined by North Carolina transfer Tyrone Hopper and young blue chippers like DJ Waslek and Travion Ford. So that defense should have a lot of talent. What they do with it remains to be seen. I believe a repeat of last year's mediocre season. Six and seven seems about right for the Tigers. I think they make a bowl game, but mediocrity seems to be uh, the currency of the day for the Missouri Tigers. So average, like average. you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Just average. Just average. Not good. Not bad. Just average. Next, we're going to get to a team that I'm pretty high on, and I think a lot of people uh, see this team as, as the Texas of the SEC or the Oklahoma of the SEC. They used to be good. Now they're just sort of a joke. Josh Hopel walked into a tumultuous Vols program when Tennessee hired him in January of 2021. Jeremy Pruitt had been fired weeks prior, and the Vols faced a mass exodus through the transfer portal. Coach Josh flipped the culture, brought in transfers, and developed the current roster to turn in an impressive first year with a record-setting offense and an overachieving defense. The head coach injected life into the Tennessee program with his up-tempo offense, The Vols scored 39.3 points per game and set many single-season program records last year, including points per game, total yards per game, and touchdowns. They'll chase more records with Hooker and Tillman back. Hooker, who took over the starting job early in the season, had the best single-season passer rating in program history and ranked third nationally. This is a program that had Peyton Manning at quarterback for Tennessee for a while, and Hooker surpassed his numbers. He's on the fringe of Heisman uh, Trophy conversations after throwing 31 touchdowns and only three interceptions last year and rushing for five scores. The kid is talented. Tennessee's defensive improvement in 2021, thanks to late career development from defensive tackle Matthew Butler and defensive backs Theo Jackson and Alante Taylor. All three are gone now, though. The Vols did well in getting into the backfield with a program record 102 tackles for loss, But they did struggle on third downs and against the pass, allowing opponents to convert on 42% of the third downs and 273 passing yards per game, which ranked last in the SEC. The offense is vastly talented in Tennessee. That defense is going to need to step up and just be average, like the Missouri Tigers defense. Just be average. If you can be average on defense for Tennessee, the offense will take care of games. I'm really high on Tennessee. I'm probably pretty high. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm higher than I think just about anybody I've seen projection wise. I really think nine and three is quite achievable for the Vols this year. I think that offense is going to keep them in a ton of games. I think they can score with anybody. I think they go to a bowl game. I don't think a new year six bowl is out of the question for Tennessee. I think they are going to be really good this year. Uh, nine and three, I believe is their ceiling. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I like the Vols. I like the Vols this year. Hey Bryce, I'm going to pick on you. Let's do it. What's the coach's name? Uh, it's a uh, coach Josh. <laughs> that is his name. Josh Heupel. Yeah, Josh Heupel. Yeah, Heupel. Yeah. That's what I said, Josh <laughs> Coach Josh. All right, let's get to the Marines' house scoreboard yesterday in the NL East. God, the Nationals just suck. I'm sorry. Uh, Mets beat the Nationals 7-3, to and the Reds beat the Marlins 3-1. to Honestly, just the Marlins and the Nationals are, they just, they've given up. They're done. <laughs> just, just turned into they're the, just they're, done, they're like man. the Red Sox the other night when they played the Blue Jays and gave up like 27 runs. They weren't even going after pop flies or anything. 
Well, the really messed up part about this is, is ever since the Phillies decided to uh, fire uh, Joe Girardi, they've turned their season around. And I mean, they're not going to catch us or the Mets, but still, they've turned their season around. It's it's impressive. That's uh, not fun. On the stump of games and defense calendar for tonight, the NL East, Phillies at the Braves, as we mentioned, 720 tonight. Reds at the Marlins at 640, and the Mets at the Nationals at 705. Let's go Mets. Bryce, I know uh, you probably need another cup of coffee because somebody messed up their alarm this morning. Yeah, I did, man. I definitely needed a cup of coffee. Yeah, I don't know what was up the alarms. I set up multiple alarms, though, uh, going forward, so that will not happen. I will not miss five alarms, which I have set in one-minute increments. Uh, so that that should never happen again. Another cup of coffee today brought to you by Realtor Hannah Strawn with Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. I need to text my mom and see how that meeting went. I know she was supposed to meet with Hannah yesterday or today or something about about selling her house i'll have to see how that went uh billy dude perfect will host a thursday night football alternative broadcast on prime video billy who in the hell is dude perfect oh dude I'll, i'm watching i'm watching this 100 percent. like who is, who is that dude perfect is the uh youtube guys that do the uh trick shots um they're really it's it's mm. good content that they've put out for the past, I swear, decade. Okay. And um, they've they've gone on tour with all their trick shots and things like that. It's really good. Like, I, I enjoy watching it with, with Gavin. So um, I'll, I'll for sure watch this because they are, they're entertaining as hell. They really are. Probably somebody I know. I just don't know the name. I've probably seen their videos. I watch trick shot stuff pops up all the time on my TikTok. So it is probably somebody that I know of. I just don't. I just don't know their name off. Sure, I'll check them out. I'll check them out. That's cool. I like the alternate broadcasts that a lot of uh, syndicates do. I think that's a pretty cool little feature to throw in. Yeah, and I think there's going to be more from what I from what I was reading. There is there may be more on on the Thursday night football. So can I, can um, I suggest my favorite type of broadcast? I want this for literally every single game. I want I want Skycam with no announcers. Skycam with no <laughs> announcers or or coaches cam up in the booth massively zoomed out so I can see the entire field also with no announcers. Give me one of those. Give me one of those two and I'll, I'll be happy with that. I like that. Okay. Uh, the ruling is official on Deshaun Watson. Billy, the case is closed. Six games for the Browns quarterback. Now the NFL can come back and appeal this. I'd be very shocked if they did. But right now it stands at six games. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked. At six games. I know you're not. You kind of figured this was going to happen. But, you know, it, oh, wait. Sorry. Breaking news. I just saw this come across. This is this is huge, Bryce. Uh, the NFL has suspended uh, Calvin Ridley another full year for betting on the Deshaun Watson case. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, God, that was good. That was good. I thought it was gonna be Braves breaking news. No. Oh, jeez. Oh man, that's a <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's one of these things where I I always thought it was gonna be somewhere between six and eight. It's I don't know, man. It's it doesn't damage the brand at all, and that's what the NFL is most worried about is damaging the brand. Uh, betting on games, I mean, that kind of destroys the brand, honestly. And no matter if Deshaun Watson, what he did was way worse than betting on a couple games it doesn't destroy the brand of football. And that's what the NFL is most worried about. The NFL, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. The, the NFL doesn't care about human rights. 
The, the NFL doesn't care about anything other than making money and make sure the brand looks good. And whatever the NFL has to do to make sure the brand looks good, that's what they're going to do. So, I, I mean, this doesn't affect the brand, really. It doesn't affect the product on the field. So, I don't what think do the think NFL Colin is going to doesn't have a job. Yeah. And Josh Gordon, same thing. I mean, yeah. Josh Gordon has been suspended for three years for smoking a little weed. So, it, you know, it's... Uh, their their priorities aren't right, but they're running a business, and you know, as I don't have to agree with it, but I understand why it's done that way. Yeah. Uh, ESPN announced last week's Subway Series between the Mets and the Yankees was the most watched regular season weeknight game. Uh, they on ESPN in 15 years. That's that's insane, excluding opening night and tiebreaker games. The sad part, it peaked at 2.2 million viewers. The NFL is king, boys and girls. The NFL yep. is king. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure the NFL kickoff shows get more than 2.2 million people. It peaked at 2.2, and that's and that's just sad, honestly. You know, it's 2.2 million for for baseball. It should be a hell of a lot more. But but then again, it is people watching ESPN as opposed to. I'm wondering what you know the most watched on Fox has been. Um, you know that kind of thing, but we'll see. Uh, this, but you're right. I mean. You watch a, a game between the Jaguars and the and the Texans, or you know whatever, um, that they'd still be well over two point two mil. Uh, yeah, I can tell you, I would watch a Jacksonville Jaguars versus Lions game or a Texans game. Right. I'm not gonna miss that. I didn't even know the Mets and Yankees were really playing last week until we saw it on the scoreboard because yeah. they just play too many games. I mean, a hundred. I will. I will go to my grave saying this. 162 is way too many. Cut it in half. Cut it in half, man. Give me a half schedule. I it just, I don't, it, I don't know. I think there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of things wrong in baseball. That's why they're hemorrhaging viewers, and I hope they fix it because I love baseball. But yeah, NFL well, is king, man. 80, NFL is king. Cutting in half was 81 games. There's 82 games in a hockey season, 82 games in a basketball season. So um, that's about average. But you know, baseball just runs constantly throughout the summer so give me give me half the games and give me no interleague play i don't want to see an al team until we get to the world series make the world series mean something make those two teams have never seen each other all year long that's what i would do but i have a lot of radical ideas about how we could speak fix uh like uh pro sports and college sports and all that stuff right billy today in 1982 oakland outfielder ricky henderson one of the greatest of all time to do it steals his 100th MLB base of the season in a 6-5 win versus Seattle. First to steal 100 bases twice in the modern era. Billy, have you ever seen have you ever seen a stolen base artist as good as Ricky Henderson? No. <laughs> There's nobody that's better than him. Not even I mean, close. No. Ricky like, Ricky was an all-timer, man. One of the one of the greatest of all time. Goat. He's in, he's incredible. He really is. Billy, you got anything else to add today, man? No, man. Sorry, we, right. we got it out late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, you know, I got, I got, you know, I got thirty-five alarms set now, so hopefully that won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here on a Tuesday. Everybody have a fantastic Taco Tuesday, and we will see you tomorrow, same time. Well, earlier time, but same place. Shake your neighbor. Just shake them.